Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. How are you guys doing? I'm just going to look at you for a minute because it's nice to see you. It's great to be here, to actually get together. Is anyone else just really grateful for when we get together now? Um, the past two years have certainly, I don't know, I just don't take this for granted <laughs> anymore. We're here, we're together this morning, and it's a beautiful thing together as church, so good morning. All right, it's July. Can you believe that we're halfway through 2022? Nobody? Anyone? <laughs> yeah, it ha- I mean, for me, it's really flown by. Um, And so we're just finishing a series as a church about being seen and known, and we'll be heading into our next teaching series soon. But um, Pastor James has given me the privilege of doing like a media check-in, a bit of a breather this morning. So just relax. We're gonna, I'm gonna take you somewhere, um, and we're just gonna consider where we're at as a church. I don't know about you, but there's been a lot to navigate in the beginning of this year, right? We've come out of lockdown, we've been heading kind of back to normal, but not normal, but, you know, finding our way through, Um, people having COVID, people having the flu. Um, I mean, there's just been a lot. Does anyone else feel that? (laughs) It's been a lot. We have um, moved forward in a lot of ways. The pace has changed. We have farewelled our senior pastors. We have welcomed the beautiful Edwards family, which is so grateful for. Yeah, let's give them a clap. (laughs) I mean, thank you for saying yes. It's not a small thing. (laughs) Look, we could just keep going straight on into the second half of the year, right? And often we do that, we just keep going because that's what we need to do. But... I've found that a really important part of my being formed as a disciple of Jesus is actually taking time to reflect with him. And let me be clear that it's with him. We don't want to go somewhere God is not leading us. We don't want to reflect in a way that's actually harmful to our souls. But I believe this morning as we just take some time to breathe and some time to reflect with him, He's actually going to lead us into the second half of the year with a great sense of purpose and a great sense of um, where we're going together as a church. Jan Johnson says, it's not our experience that brings transformation, it's our reflection on our experience. Okay, so would you let me lead you into some reflection this morning? Does that sound good? Cool, okay. There's been a lot of change deconstruction, shaking of foundations of how we've functioned. And honestly, it's been painful. Has anyone found, you know, that the last couple of years have actually been painful? Jenna, (laughs) Joel, yes, (laughs) it's been painful for me. Um, And honestly, when things are changing, we want to know what the plan is. And that's a really human thing. When things are changing, when things are painful, confusing, we want to know what the plan is. I remember when Steve and I were dating and we were reaching that point where we needed to, like, acknowledge the 
the transition that was happening from friendship to, you know, something else. Um, we had this uh, coffee date and I, um, I was probably a bit intense, but I asked him, um, what's your five-year plan? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is like, <laughs> um, but because I wanted to get a sense of, if I'm going to be with you, where are you going? Yeah. But you know, he had the best answer. At least this is how I remember it. He said, I don't have a five-year plan, but I know who I am and I know who I'm following. Very good. Yes. <laughs> I will marry you. <laughs> But how many of you want to know what the five-year plan for our church is? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, yes. right? Um, that's really natural and really, really human to want to know what the five-year plan is, especially when there's been so much going on and deconstructed and what are we keeping, what do we move forward with, what do we need to let go of? But... And I'm, I'm not against plans and strategies. They're really helpful. But let's just make sure that above that, we're clear on whose we are and who we're following. Yeah? Yeah. And God doesn't always lead us with a five-year plan. He often leads us and teaches us through his word and the stories contained within it. Just like Jesus used parables to communicate kingdom principles to his disciples. The Bible... The written word of God shows us the story of God's interaction with humanity from beginning to end. And we find ourselves in that story. We're in the bit after, you know, Paul's letters and Peter's letters and between that and Revelation. Okay, that's where we are. But God's word also helps us make sense of where we're at individually and corporately through the stories that are contained within it. Has anyone been reading the Bible and you're reading a story from um, well, wherever within the Bible and you have this sense of, oh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, That's what God's word is supposed to help us do, to, to help us locate our story within his story. And one of the stories that has um, really helped me in the last couple of years to locate myself and to have a sense of where we're moving, both myself and as a church, has been the story of Nehemiah. Pastor um, Tana actually mentioned this in early 2020, and it's just been a story that I've kept coming back to that has really helped me. And so I'd like to share it with you this morning, church, and for it to actually give us a jumping off point to ask a few questions, reflecting on where we're at, where you might be at, to help us actually move forward and engage in the next season that we have with God as a church. My sense is that we've been moving into a season of rebuilding, both individually and as a church, because, surprise, God builds his church through individuals working together. So what God's doing in you, he's also building together in terms of what he's doing in us. All right, so you're ready for like a really speedy walk through Nehemiah? Yeah? yeah? Cool, okay. <laughs> sprint. It'll be a sprint. Um, and as we go through um, the first six chapters, I'm going to ask some just useful questions to help us engage in this season of rebuilding. So 
uh, you can either just reflect as we're going through or you can take some notes. Don't worry about trying to write down the questions because I'm actually going to ask them in a couple of ways because I find that that might, you know, different ways of asking it are going to re resonate with different people. Um, but what I'd ask you to do is just take note of what God might bring up for you. Write that down. Because when we're in an atmosphere in church like this where we've worshipped God, we have engaged in communion, that actually just helps to clear things up for us. Like it, it can feel really confusing sometimes to go, you know, what, what, God, what are you doing? What are you saying to me? But this is going to be an atmosphere that it'll be clearer for you. So take note. Cool. All right, so let's first get oriented. The book of Nehemiah is in the Old Testament and it's about at the first third mark. Can you see there? Um, and it was written about 500 BC. Most of the Israelites, who, who were God's chosen people, are in exile in Babylon and Persia, but a remnant have returned to Jerusalem after they've been released to do so by the decree of the king. In chapter 1, we find Nehemiah in Susa, where he was serving as the cupbearer to Persia's Artaxerxes I. One of his brothers arrives with men from Judah, and Nehemiah asks him about how Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant living there are doing. And his brother tells him in verse 3, the remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall has been broken down and its gates have been burned. In verse 4, Nehemiah recounts, when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of the heavens. Nehemiah was moved by what had happened to his people, God's people. He was grieved over it. And he goes on to share a prayer of repentance on behalf of his people, the Israelites, and intercession for them. So here's the first thing I'd like to ask you to reflect on today. What are you moved by? What has been moving you in this past season? And I'm not talking about just a fleeting feeling, but I think for most of us there'll be something that maybe you're angry about, frustrated, grieved over. And often we ignore those emotions because somewhere we've been taught that they're bad. <laughs> but could we leave room for the possibility this morning that God's been speaking something to you? that he's moving your heart to be concerned over things that matter to him. Now, that's not going to be the same as the person next to you. And we need to be careful that we don't um, take on something that God's not asking us to partner with him to rebuild. But pay attention. What, what has your heart been moved over? So just take a moment now and ask, how might God be leading me through my emotions? All right, so don't hear me saying that you should be led by your emotions or use them as an excuse for actions that don't represent God well, okay? That's the wisdom there. But Nehemiah shows us 
this wisdom in how he actually proceeded after he was moved. The first thing he did was to pray. Sorry, second reflection. What preparation do you need to engage in with God? For Nehemiah, prayer undergirded every single step of the rebuilding process. When he was grieved over the disgrace of his people and the destruction of the wall around Jerusalem, he prayed. When he wanted to know how to respond to the king, he prayed and asked God for his plans. When he was afraid, he prayed. When they, um, well, it will go on, but there's every single step, he prayed. So just take a moment now and ask God, how can I prepare in prayer for this work of rebuilding? In chapter 2, we find Nehemiah in the king's presence. And this is not a God-fearing king, but he noticed in Nehemiah's sadness and asked him about it. And this is actually really risky for him to do so, but Nehemiah told him why he was sad. It can feel really risky to share how we feel about things, can't it? But sometimes that's the motivator to actually push us into something that God's calling us to help rebuild. The king responded pretty miraculously to Nehemiah. He said, what is your request? And in verse 8 it says, um, Nehemiah actually asked him for permission to leave his position as cupbearer for a season to go and rebuild In verse 8, it says, The king granted my request, for the gracious hand of my God was on me. What a declaration. And what an encouragement for us, church, that we, as we engage in God's work, we can be confident and we can trust in his provision and protection. The king actually gave him both, not just permission to go, but he gave him letters of protection as he would um, travel and as well as the resources to build the wall. Um, that's crazy, right? This king didn't even believe in God. And yet he was willing to resource and send Nehemiah to rebuild. It doesn't matter if the people in authority in our city or nation or in your workplace believe in God or not. As we move forward with plans we receive from God in prayer, he can get favour and provision to us. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Yeah? Cool. All right, so Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem and he rests for three days. And just a quick aside. He rested for three days. Even when you're doing God's work, it's okay and even necessary to attend to your body's needs. Yeah? Before Nehemiah tells anyone what he's planned, he writes around the ruins and inspects them. And can I just take a moment to thank our new pastors because they have taken time and care to listen and to inspect and to pray as we're crossing over into this season of rebuilding. 
And that's such a blessing. Thank you. Nehemiah then speaks to the priests and the nobles and officials, the people who would be doing the rebuilding work. And after acknowledging the state of disrepair they were in, he bids them in verse 17, come, let's rebuild Jerusalem's wall. To which they reply, yes, let's start rebuilding. This verse goes on to explain that their hands were strengthened to do the good work. What another encouraging promise from God. As we rebuild from him, he will strengthen our hands for the work that he has for us to do. All right, chapter three. The rebuilding begins. Nehemiah spends the whole chapter telling us about the individuals and families and groups and which section of the wall they have put their hand to. Can you imagine it? Stepping onto the worksite and, and um, Nehemiah coming along and, and giving you a tour around the rebuilding process and saying, look, here's, um, what, what are the people that he calls? There's some great baby names in here if anyone's looking for some. <laughs> Zenoa, um, Asbuck, <laughs> great names. <laughs> Too bad we're not having any more babies. <laughs> But um, as he's doing that, he uses this phrase, next to them, beside them, or after them, 26 times. This communicates to us a great sense of unity and building together. No one was doing this alone. Even if they were working on different parts, they were together. There was a sense of legacy and working beside one another. Which leads me to reflection three. Which part of the wall is God directing you to? Is it the same as it was in this past season? And if so, great, please stay. <laughs> please keep rebuilding where God has stationed you. Has it changed? Is there a transition that you need to make to be responsive to the way that God is leading you to rebuild in this next season? Who might God be bringing alongside you to help in the rebuilding work? And are you making room to invest in relationship with them so that your rebuilding is more effective? Chapter four sees them facing opposition. They were mocked and ridiculed and their enemies plotted to kill them and they were scared. Who knows rebuilding work often comes with opposition. But what did they do? They prayed. And then they got back to work. Verse six says, so we rebuilt the wall until the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had the will to keep going. Yeah. The people had the will to keep working. But as they're working this time, they had a strategy. They worked with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. And if I could, Joshy, can you bring my props? <laughs> Steve just threw something at him. <laughs> hey, mate. I'm sad Ben Rundle's not here. He loves a good prop. All right, so here we go. Whoop. 
All right, does anyone who knows Steve is not surprised that he has one of these, all right? Okay, you ready? <laughs> okay, so this is, um, this is called a gladius. It's a Roman short sword. And when the Bible talks about that the word of God is, is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, that's what it's talking about, that kind of sword, okay? Now, I don't think I could kill anybody with this sword <laughs> because I haven't trained with it. And also it's wrong, right? Oh, yeah, like that's... <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I'm not a murderous person, <laughs> mostly. Um, <laughs> Just sometimes. <laughs> but, but the point is, I, the Bible talks about the word of God being our sword, right? And are you training with the word of God so you can use it effectively? When we train with the word, words that can appear trite are transformed into truth, and that's a powerful, defensive, and offensive weapon. But we must be training with it, yeah, for it to be useful. For when that opposition comes, when we don't have enough to do the work that God's asking us to do, we can say, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory, yeah? And when we're feeling anxious, that we can apply the word that says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. His word is powerful when we train with it. Okay, the other tool is the trowel. And some, some versions refer to it as a hammer. Does anyone know what this one's for? Brickies. So this is for bricklaying. It levels things out. You can actually split a brick with it. Did you know that? Have you seen anyone do it? So if you hit the brick, it causes an impact fracture down the, the middle of the brick, and the brick you can just... I don't think I could do it, but <laughs> they can do it. It's amazing. Uh, and you can also use it to level things out, to bring adjustment. What's in your hand right now to build with? Are you training with the tools that God has given you? Is it the same as before, or does God have new tools or gifts to give you? Don't change position if God's not leaving to do you to do so, and don't try and build with tools that you don't have. Chapter 5, Nehemiah heard the people complaining and their cries about social injustice. And this chapter I like almost skipped over because it felt like a deviation. But it's actually really important because Nehemiah took care to deal with what was causing disunity and deconstruction, yeah? Are there any adjustments you need to make in order to deal with things that are causing disunity between you and others? Or are there things God is asking you to stop doing because they're not engaging, they're not helping you engage in rebuilding? God is kind and he's inviting you into purposeful and joyful rebuilding with him. And he wants you to represent him well in it and not for our efforts to not be slowed or inhibited by our own sin. He's a good father. So purpose in your heart to respond to him just as um, the Israelites did with a yes, 
I will do what you say, Lord. Chapter 6, we find Nehemiah dealing with discouragement and distraction. He's building the wall and his enemies keep sending him these letters saying, come on down, Nehemiah, come meet with us, let's hang out. And he knew that they were not just wanting to hang out. They were spreading dangerous rumours about the work that he was doing. But Nehemiah replied, I'm doing important work and I can't come down. He was focused and clear about what God had asked him to do and reliant on God to strengthen his hands for the work. And the attempts to distract and discredit him did not work. Yes. So Reflection 6, what is currently distracting you from the rebuilding work that God has called you to do? What might he be inviting you to surrender to him so that he can deal with it on your behalf and you can just forget about it? Finally, the wall was completed. Okay, you ready? Yes! In 52 days, record time. Verse 16 says, When all our enemies heard this, the surrounding nations were intimidated and lost their confidence, for they realised that this task had been accomplished by our God. When we rebuild with God, God's way, the enemy loses confidence and God is glorified. They were not just building a wall. They were building a container that would bring safety and protection for their people to return to, to settle in and to grow, and for God to come and meet with them in the temple. So this is an Old Testament story, right? And you might be wondering, well, How does this apply now and where's Jesus in it? (laughs) But often, so sorry, I I just want to take a moment to pull it through to the New Testament and to, to now for us. Because often the Old Testament and the stories that we find there actually foreshadow the new. So a couple of thoughts. Firstly, Nehemiah's name means God comforts. God sent the people of Jerusalem in their distress and in the destru- destruction someone to bring comfort and direction. Yeah. Who does that sound like? <laughs> yeah? And he has sent us, the Holy Spirit, to comfort and to guide us and to bring us direction. Secondly, Jesus is often referred to in the Gospels as the cornerstone. A cornerstone was the first stone laid by builders to which everything else was measured and levelled from. In Corinthians, Paul refers to Jesus as our foundation as well. As we're building with God, we're following the example of Jesus, built in alongside, on the foundation of, and to the pattern of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus. Yeah. 1 Peter 2, 4-6 in, uh, Peter describes us, the church, as living stones being built together, again with Jesus as the cornerstone. If we just look at that verse, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honoured by God, you yourselves, as living stones, 
a spiritual house, a being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So can I invite Jack? Is he still around? Up. Oh, James, come James, thank you. Just to help me steward this moment as I bring this to a close. See, through Monash, my, my sense is that God is inviting us in this next season to become an even more mighty container for his glory. Known by our love for one another. So my final question to you as part of C3 Monash, whether you're here this morning or joining us via podcast or even just reflecting on it later, are you, as a valued and important part of C3 Monash, willing to be formed by God to become an even greater container for his glory to be revealed in Tuggeranong? Are you willing to be built in together, next to, beside the people who are sitting here with you now? As a living stone in God's temple, God's church, here in Tuggeranong. Are you willing to let God be God? One of the pictures that God uses in the Bible is that of the potter and the clay. Sometimes we need that reminder, he's the potter, we're the clay. We can trust him to form and mould us. The clay doesn't tell the potter, I want to be a... We trust that God is forming us to be the container that he needs us to be. So would you mind just closing your eyes? I just have felt that this is an important moment for us as a church corporately to respond to God. In this moment, can I, I'm going to ask that question again, but as I do, can I invite you to speak your answer to God as honestly as you can, even if it's a yes, but I'm afraid. Yes, but I've been hurt, God, and I don't know if I can trust again. Or no, I can't honestly say yes, God, but would you guide me to a place where I can say yes willingly? Thank you, God, that you can do amazing things with tiny seeds of faith. So let me ask that question again. Are you, as a valued and important part of C3 Monash, willing to be formed by God to become an even greater container for his glory to be revealed in Tuggeranong? Lord God, you have heard our response this morning. I thank you for where you're leading us as a church. I thank you that we can trust you. I thank you that um, this church was in your heart before it was ever in ours. So we can trust you to build it. 
thank you for the different ways that you're moving people's hearts. You're positioning them to rebuild. Lord, give us success as we build with you. Grant us compassion and favour. Guide us, show us where we need to rebuild and what we're to rebuild with. Give us wisdom, strengthen our hands to do the, the work that you've called us to do. Give us eyes to see who you're positioning us next to as we rebuild. Strengthen our will to work. Teach us to use the weapon of your word and the tools you've placed in our hands effectively. Bring to mind and help us resolve to turn away from anything causing deconstruction to us and the rebuilding work. Help us to stay focused on you and to bring you glory, God. Amen. Amen. I thank you for your time this morning, church. And I just believe as we go ahead into the week, God's going to guide you. He will lead you. You can trust him as you reflect with him. And as we move forward into the second half of the year and engage in the rebuilding work with him, he is going to be glorified. So Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.